Um, if you're so gift shopping, pretty much uh, you're, you're not in good place right now. And uh, the shipping is probably past, you know, you get it now. Uh, it will tell you, it will, it, will, it will make you happy by saying, hey, you'll get it in time. But I guarantee you probably won't get it in time. You know, that's the way it is. They don't want to tell you the truth of the matter is you're not going to get it. And if you go to the stores, we tried to go to the store this past week, middle of the day, my daughter and I, I met my daughter for appointment afterwards. We tried to run to one store. We walk in, and the line was like from here out to the glass doors. I mean, you're like, why, why? I don't even understand. Don't you guys work? I mean, obviously I'm there, but don't you guys work, you know? It's, 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 it's kind of the world we live in. So if you're, Christmas is coming, we hope you enjoy your holidays, enjoy your family, and enjoy your whatever traditions you have. But um, this morning, we want to continue uh, we've been focusing on hope this season for Christmas, and hope is a powerful thing. And remember, we talked about hope is um, hope's one of those words that get misused a lot. You know, I hope you know, I hope I win the lottery. I hope I get this. Hope you know, but the hope we're talking about is based in, in the promises of the Word of God, based on God's truth. And we talked about, and we're going to talk today, Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one is one of those chapters. If you've read it. Like, you probably skim through it. That's the way. You get into genealogy, especially Old Testament. You start with all the genealogies. You're like, and you're just kind of skipping through, right? And that's what a lot of people do with Matthew chapter 1 because it's all genealogy. But there's so much powerful words that God's saying us to us in Genesis chapter 1. And, and here's the things. Let me just review. This, 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 give me this um, for a second. That The first thing that the genealogy proves that he has not forgotten you, right? Remember? 400 years since the last word from God till the birth of Jesus, 400 years, right? And I guarantee you during those 400 years, some people gave up. They're like, God's left us. He's not coming back. Some of you have been praying about something. For two weeks, you've given up. God's forgotten me, right? Imagine 400 years, right? And the, and the genealogy, Matthew chapter 1, is proof that he has not forgotten you. So no matter what you're going through right now, he has not forgotten you. And maybe more important, the second thing is that he's coming back. He's coming back. All those prophecies that he's coming the first time came true. Every one of them. Okay, well, there's twice as many about him coming back the second time. So don't you think if they all came true the first time, they're going to come true for a second time, right? Even though you and I have both been told since birth, Jesus is coming back. He's, not, he's coming back. Genealogy is proof of that. The genealogy is proof of the redemption story, isn't it? You read that. And we read that, and we in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 includes all the prophecies, right? And that's like your, your family tree. Isn't there some branches you wish you could break off? You know, that crazy cousin, that crazy uncle, whatever, that side of the family, like, well, if I could have snapped that twig off, that'd be great. Well, that's the parentheses. That's what those are. That's, that's a, they didn't even include women in the geology, but here God intentionally did that. God intentionally included Tamar, which is a crazy story you can't make up. God intentionally uh, included Ruth. God intentionally cre uh, included uh, Bathsheba. He intentionally did all that. Why? Because that's a story we can identify with, isn't it? It's like we read that. We read Abraham, he lied. We read Jacob, he deceived. We read all these names, and it's like, those are my people, right? Like, I can identify with that. If they were perfect, 
I'm not, yeah, I can't even achieve that. But I can relate to those who lie. I can relate to those who deceive. I can, the, I can relate to some of this. And it's a story we can identify. And so this hope is a powerful thing. And we're going to continue that in chapter 1 today. And what I want to talk about today is, is, is something that I think is foundational for Christians we don't think about a lot. And it's a principle that is very important for you and I. And we need to clearly explain it today. It's what theologians call incarnation. Right? And you think of incarnation, and you're like, I don't want to come back as a grasshopper. Right? And that's not what I'm talking about. Right? We're not talking about that kind of incarnation. And so I want to kind of explain incarnation. And so, of course, we're going to find it in Matthew chapter 18. Let me read you verses, uh, Matthew chapter 1. Verses 18 to 23. Let me read that for you this morning. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. To Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her, her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So today, I want to talk about this idea of incarnation. I want to talk about the presence of God through the birth of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, meaning God with us, meaning he'll never leave you, never forsake you. So what is incarnation? And so to, to define this, you know, we go to one of the books of wisdom called Wikipedia. And uh, we know that's always true, right? I'm just kidding. But here's what Wikipedia has to say about it. In Christian theology, the incarnation is a belief that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, also known as God the Son, or the Logos, was made flesh. By being conceived in the womb of a woman, the Virgin Mary, also known as a Theo. Tokus, Greek for God-bearer, the doctrine of incarnation, then entails that Jesus is fully God and fully human. Fully God, fully human. And so this idea is still a little confusing. So to make it as simple as I can, because it is a cornerstone of our belief, is simply put, incarnation is when God becomes flesh in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And look at it in John. John's gospel, it shows us this. John chapter 1, throughout the chapter, but especially uh, verse 1 and verse 14, it says this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, this is God. And then we skip down to verse 14, and it says, And the Word became flesh. It's talking about Jesus, right? The incarnation of God himself, Jesus, right? In the flesh. And so again, this still is it's a, it's a big idea that we don't really think about a lot. And so this morning, I want to maybe kind of bring it down to my level, right? And, and, and to do that, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you the Christmas story, but from a different point of view this morning, okay? And in order for this to work, I, I need some of you guys haven't done this in a long time, but I need you to use your imagination, right? And stick with me and give me grace on this, right? So we're going to use our imagination because I want to tell you an imaginary story. This is an imaginary story. I need everybody to hear me. An imaginary story, right, about what would happen if God the Father had a conversation with Jesus before he came to earth, okay? 
So if God was explaining to Jesus what's, what's going, what going to earth is going to entail, his mission here on earth. Okay, to be really, 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 really clear, this conversation did not happen, okay? So I don't want any theologians coming up to ask, where did you find that? And it's, I'm making this up, okay? I'm making it up, but the, what I'm going to talk about is consistent with what the Bible says happened, okay? So you use your imagination with me this morning. Imagine what it'd be like if God the Father said to Jesus, Jesus, this is what it's going to cost you. The loving Father explains to Jesus the mission and what it would actually entail. Jesus, this is your mission if you choose to accept it. Right? This kind of conversation. And as you're thinking of this, and, and I'm, I'm telling you this imaginary story, God is a God of love, correct? Everybody can say amen. It's not a trick question. God is a God of love. Christ is his son. Now, if you're a parent, you understand this relationship, parent-child. He's a God of love, right? And so God starts, he's like, I'm going to send you to earth to fulfill my perfect will, and you're going to be a sacrifice of sins. Jesus is like, okay, sounds good. How's it going to start? But I'm sure God's like, well, you know what? Jesus, I've chosen the perfect woman to be your mother. She loves us. She's a teenage girl. She's devoted to our will. She'll be perfect. Her name's Mary. You know, she loves us so much. She'll, she'll be an amazing mom for you. And I chose an earthly dad for you. I'm your heavenly father, but I, I chose an earthly dad for you. His name's Joseph. He's a good man. Be real honest, though. He doesn't get a lot of play. Mary's going to get the most attention. But he's a good dad. He'll be a good stepdad for you. Now, Jesus, when you go to earth, you have to remember something, though. God says... Jesus, you got to remember, you got to be born of a virgin. In other words, you're gonna you're gonna spend nine months in Mary's womb before she pushes you out in this cruel, cruel world. I think this is probably one of the first time Jesus picks picks up. And he's like, hang on a second. Could we consider another route? The whole nine months. What about the stork idea? I kind of like the stork idea. Nine months in the womb. I'm not a big fan of that. But. I'm sure they're, they're like, imaginary story, okay? You can smile at it. It's an imaginary story, right? And then God looks at Jesus and says, all right, just to be very clear why you have to be born of a virgin, you, you're going to have an earthly father, but you cannot inherit any of the earthly sin. And so that's why you're going to be born of a virgin, because you're going to be human and you're going to be divine. You're going to be man and you're going to be God. That's what happens this way. And Jesus says, of course, of course, I understand. Now, Jesus, you're going to be born, but you need to understand, you're going to be born in a very common place. You're not going to be born in a palace. You're not going to be born in silk sheets. Actually, I got a perfect little manger picked out with you with the best farm animals ever. And I'm sure Jesus probably smiled at this point. He says, well, I understand. We're going to let everybody know I'm coming for the common everyday person, not for the rich and powerful. That's who I'm coming for. God probably smiles and looks at Jesus and says, exactly. Now when you're born, Jesus, you need to understand for day number one, every demon in hell is going to hate you. Your whole life, they're going to be after you to destroy you. And actually the first time you're going to see this is before you can even walk. Because there's going to be this King Herod 
he's going to issue this command that he hears rumors that you're coming. So he's going to issue a command that every child, every male boy to and under be killed. So hell's going to be after you. You're going to have to escape Egypt. You've got to get out of there. I'm sure Jesus is taking notes. Get a fast donkey. You know, I mean, he's, just, he's, he's intently listening to this story, you know. God probably looks at Jesus and said, Jesus, you're going to have supernatural powers. But you got to use it wisely. So that probably means that Joseph gives you broccoli, you can't make a birthday cake, right? You got to use your powers wisely. You go to school, you got broke perfect attendance, you're going to make straight A's. Teachers are going to love you, students are going to be jealous of you. And when you grow up, I've chosen a job for you, you're going to be a carpenter. You're not going to make a lot of money. You're going to find fulfillment in helping people. You'll be good at it, but people's not going to respect you in your hometown. They're not, they're not going to show you honor. You'll be working with your hands, creating things, because that's what we do. We create. God probably looks at Jesus and says, they don't even understand that those, the furniture, the things you're creating with that wood will be that same wood that someday is going to make a cross. That you're going to hang on. Jesus, God looks at Jesus and says, I've chosen the first miracle for you. You're going to turn water into wine at a wedding party. Now that probably stumped Jesus a little bit. He's like, what? It's like a party trick or something. God looked at Jesus and said, no, no, no. Listen, we're doing this because you're going to confuse all the religious elites from here on, they're going to say, is it fermented, unfermented, unfermented? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. None of you guys got that, but I'm kidding. But God probably looked at Jesus and said, yeah, you're going to, you're going to do some miracles. You're going, to, you're going to open the blind eyes. You're going to heal the deaf ears. You're going to raise the de dead. You're going to heal leprosy. God looks at Jesus. You're going to do all that, and they're still going to hate you. They're still going to call you a liar. They're going to call you a lunatic. They're going to call you a crazy person. They're going to call you a drunkard. They're going to say that you're an enemy to me, but just keep on loving them. God looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, show them who you are. Show them my love. What I want you to do, Jesus, I want you to reach out. I want you to befriend, befriend the prostitutes. I want you to touch the lepers. I want you to love those religious rejects. Because the more you love them, the more they're going to hate you. God looks at Jesus and said, just keep on loving them. Keep on loving them. This is why you're going. You're going to show them my heart. You're going to show them that I love them. God looks at Jesus and said, Jesus... The devil's going to attack you at every turn. There's going to be a time in your life where you're, you're seeking me, you're fasting for 40 days, and the devil's going to come up to you. And he's going to attack you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to fight. But I want you to fight with the written word of God. So Jesus, when the devil comes, he's going to tell you these things. You're going to be hungry. He's like, hey, why don't you just, why don't you just turn these stones to bread? What would you say to him, Jesus? You know, Jesus got pretty excited. Like, yeah, I got this one. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
know God how to be smiling. Jesus knew the word. God says, all right, what when the devil comes, just throw yourself off this mountain. Let the angels rescue you. Oh, God, Jesus had, like, come on. These are softball questions. What are you talking about? I'll just say, thou shalt not put the Lord your God to test. You know, proud dad, they're just smiling. Yeah, that's right. All right, son, what about this? And what about the devil? He comes, he says, I'll give you all the riches on this earth if you'll just bow down and worship me. Jesus like, that's easy too. Thou shalt not put the Lord your God to test. God smiles. He's very proud of Jesus. Jesus says, Dad, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And God looks at Jesus and says, the good news is you're going to have some friends. You're going to have 12 of them. I'm going to give you 12 friends. Your disciples, they're, they're going to give you their, their best. You're going to love them. They'll be loyal to you until they're not. He said, there's going to be this one, Peter. You know, they both had a chuckle at Peter. Peter's going to be a great guy. He's going to be one of your boldest, one of your loudest friends. He's going to tell you he's always going to be there for you. He's, he's got your back. He has your side. He, he, nothing's going to happen. And then the first time he's approached by eight little eight-year-old little girl, he's going to fold. So he doesn't know you. He's going to die you a second time. He's going to die you a third time. Why? Because he's, he's too afraid to stand with you. I'm sure God looked at Jesus and said, that, that one's going to hurt. He said, then there's going to be the, our, our supper. You know, you'll be having the Lord's supper. You'll be breaking bread. You'll be, you'll be pouring out the wine. You'll give it to one of the disciples, Judas. And later on, he's going to sell you out for some money. Again, an imaginary story. And then I'm sure God just looks at Jesus and says, just keep on loving them. Come on, you had this conversation with your kids, haven't you? They heard them. Just keep on loving them, baby. And then God says, son, I want, I want you to pay t uh, careful attention. Because this is bad, but it's going to get worse. And the garden gets to me that you're going to see what's coming. You're going to know. And you're going to be so overwhelmed. You're going to ask me, Dad, is there any other way? Dad, is there any other options here? I'm going to tell you what I'm telling you now. No, there's not got to go to the cross and then you're going to look up to me with love and obedience in your heart and say okay truth be told the, the pain of what is you know is coming is going to be so agonizing you're literally going to sweat drops of blood that night because of what lays before you you're going to be arrested Son, you're going to be beaten. You're going to hurt like no man has ever hurt before. When they get done with you, son, you won't even be recognizable as a human any longer. They'll whip you again and again and again and again 39 times. So they tear your back apart and you're crying in agony. 
Then they'll throw you down on the instrument of torture called the cross. They'll stretch your right hand out. They'll nail a stake to it. One of the most agonizing pain you'll ever have in your life. Then they'll do it again. They're going to stretch your left hand out. They're going to put a stake to it. It's agonizing thing. And this when you think you're done, they're going to grab your feet. The pain will be unbearable, son. They'll put a stake through both your feet and you're hanging there and you think it can't get any worse. And they'll strip you naked to humiliate you. You'll be hanging on a cross and those very people you came to love are going to walk by you, mocking you, spitting in your face and say, King of the Jews, won't you rescue yourself? The very people, Jesus, that you and I created are going to mock the Creator in that moment. Because of who you are, you're going to look up to heaven and say, Dad, Dad, forgive them. Have mercy on them. They don't know what they're doing. And so I'm going to tell you, in that moment, to press on. Because at any moment, you could call down a legion of angels to come down, and I would send them to wipe them all out. But because of who you are, you're not going to do that. Press on. Show my love to them, son. When you've completed everything that was prophesied that you would do, declare it's finished. Say it out loud, son. It is finished. Then offer up your spirit. I'm going to be with you. I will be with you every step of the way. I will be with you. I will never leave you. Until, until you have to become sin. You know, this part had to choke God up a little bit. Remember, you're, you're, you're the innocent sacrifice. And when you become sin, God says, I, I have to look away because I'm holy. I can't look upon sin. And all the physical pain will pale in comparison to this moment when I withdraw from you and you cry out, Dad. Dad, where are you at? That's a definition of hell right there, can I just tell you? Definition of hell is being apart from God. Dad, my God, my God, why did you turn away? Then they're going to bury you in a tomb. They're going to put a stone in place. Three days later, these women are going to come check on you. A stone's not going to be in its proper place. And neither will you be, son. Because you're going to be raised from the dead. You're going to be fulfilled with the perfect and final sacrifice of forgiveness because we love them so much. And then God looks at Jesus and says, Son, are you up for that? Are you willing to do that? Jesus in that moment weighs it all out. Takes a deep breath. Says, yes, I am.
in that moment, I can imagine God and Jesus having this conversation in heaven. That, you know, two of the three of the Trinity, and the third one probably speaks up and says, "Hey, don't forget about me, right? I'm the, here's the Holy Spirit. I'm part of this deal. It's always God the Father, God the Son, but nobody cares about the Holy Spirit, do they?" He's like, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. Jesus said, oh, of course, I'm going to tell them about you. I'm going to look at them. I'm going to tell them clearly. I'm going to tell them if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to send you an advocate. He's going to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Here's Emmanuel, God with us. This is what we're talking about, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I know, I need to remind them that even when I go away, the Spirit's going to come and it's going to be with him. I'm going to tell them, here's your assignment. Before I ascend to heaven, I'm going to tell them, God. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell them, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I command. And then I'm going to tell them this, Dad. I'm going to tell them this, I am with you always to the very end of age. That's because that's who we are. We will be the Word made flesh. I am Emmanuel, God with them. We won't leave them. We won't forsake them. Even when they hate us, we're going to love them. Even when they turn away, we're going to continually pursue them. So again, God looks at Jesus and said, Jesus, are you up for this? Yes. Yes, I am. So God looks at Jesus and said, okay, so what's your mission? My mission is to seek and save the lost. My mission is to rescue those who are dead in their sins. Okay. Perfect. God looks at Jesus, what are you going for and who are you going for? I'm not going for the religious elite. I'm going for the sinners. I'm not going for the healthy. I'm going for the sick. I'm going because there's some sheep out there without a shepherd. I've got to go. We cannot go. And you can just picture Jesus saying this, saying, all right, we can't shout it from the heavens that we love them. We have to show it to them on earth that we love them. So I'm going to go. I'll go. I'll go show them how good you are. I'll go tell them how much you love them. I'll show them that love isn't something we do, but it's who we are. It's your essence. It's your being. It's Emmanuel, God with us. Again, this was just a total fictional story. Like, what would it have been like in heaven all this is going on? All these things really happen. We don't, this conversation, it, again, this imagination, just a story. But this is the Christmas story. So I want to go back to Matthew chapter 1. I want you to hear it again in context. Sure, bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this, took, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. This is the Christmas story. This is the story of hope. The story that he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he's always with you, that his spirit is with us. 
that when we're lost, he's our guide. When we're lonely, he's the friend that sticks us closer than a brother. When we're hurting, he's a comforter. When we're afraid, he's our peace. When we're sick, he's a healer. When we're weak, he's our strength. When you're dead and lost, he's our savior. He is Emmanuel, God with us, who came to save people from their sins. And here's the good news of the Christmas story is that God didn't just shout this from the heavens, but he sent his son to live as a man, to walk this earth as a man, to suffer as a man, to show us he was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice, to show us that he knows, so we know that he loves us and how good God is. Who is God? He's Emmanuel, God with us. chapter of of Matthew chapter 1 screams of how he loves us. Screams of how he loves you. Screams of how he loves a broken people. How he's very intentional about including us in his genealogy. About Christ the Son literally had to step out of glory I mean, once we get the glory, <laughs> you're never going to leave. We won't even be able to put in context what Christ did until we get to heaven. But just imagining he had to step out of all that to live as a human, to be beaten, to be tortured. All, all because God wanted to show you how much he loves you. This Christmas season... When you go out and do your shopping, eating, or whatever you do, it's chaos. And it does not scream Emmanuel, God with us. It does not scream love at all. So this morning, I want us to pause and take a deep breath and be reminded what God, what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit did for us. Because this is a season where we can show his love to everyone around us. And that's the intention of Christmas, to bring hope. So I'm going to ask you to stand with us this morning. This is how we're going to end the service this morning. Because the worship team is going to lead us in prayer. But I would love to invite you, every one of us, to the altar. To find a place to pray. And maybe for some of us, we need to recenter ourselves for Christmas. Maybe some of you are so overwhelmed with what you got to get done, all the Christmas parties, all this still left to do, and you're just... I want us to take a deep breath this morning. Focus on a God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, then he sent his spirit to live in you. This is Christmas. It's not all the craziness, all all the plays, all the parties. Those aren't bad things. Those are good things. Christmas is hope and confidence as a God that loves us. So I'll invite you, if you're not comfortable coming down to stay at your seat, pray somewhere where you're at. But I want to open these altars and just, just take a moment to pump the brakes and let God fill you with his love this morning as we leave for Christmas. Would you join me this morning? Thanks.